Welcome, Wildcats, to another episode of the Weber State Weekly Men's Hoop Show. We're a member of the Big Sky Podcast Network. I'm your host, Colby Peterson. On the show today, we have the one and only Dustin Chappie Chapman. Chappie, how you doing? Man, I'm doing great. My legs feel really good. I can't imagine how Weber's basketball players' legs are feeling today after like getting more than one day of rest. Yeah, I mean, it's been a lot of games, six six games in 13 days. That'll add up, that's for sure. Uh, good to have you on the show tonight. We've also got with us John King. John, how you doing, man? I know you've been busy at work. Do, do, doing pretty well. And yeah, I mean, you know, we got to, I mean, I know, I know, I guess it's COVID stuff, but man, it's, what a scheduling nightmare that was. So just yeah. brutal, brutal, brutal. A lot of teams and a lot of good teams in the conference in a lot of days, but Wildcats handled it admirably. And then uh, finally, we have with us tonight, Sean Lewis. Sean, how was Hamilton the other night? Hamilton was great. Good to be in the room where it happened, both for that and for most of the wins on that, uh, on that, uh, any, the last home wins, except for the, the last one against Montana State. Did not want to be in the room where that one happened. <laughs> Uh, on Saturday gonna, night, gonna happen, right? Like Coach Ray said at the end of the uh, at the end of the game at the press conference, kind of schedule kind of caught up to him. I mean, yeah, they're, yeah, they're no. humans. So, well, yeah. But uh, we'll let's it. well, good to have you guys on the show tonight. Uh, tonight we're going to be talking. We got a player interview for you. We're going to be talking with senior forward Dante Bassett a little bit about his journey from <laughs> Oakland to Florida, and now up here in in the mountains in Ogden. Talk a little bit about his career and uh, what brought him to Ogden. Then we're going to be doing a, a little bit of. A game recap. We're going to talk about the game against Monday night. Then we're going to be recapping the game against Montana State on Saturday. Then I've got buy or sell for the guys tonight. Going to be looking forward to the remainder of the conference schedule and Boise. So I've got some takes for them. We're going to see if the fellows will buy or sell on what we've got to offer. But before we get into all of that, I want to encourage everybody to subscribe to the show. That's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, all great places to find Weber State Weekly. And if you would, please go in there and rate us. Uh, you can give us five stars, whatever the platform allows. Please rate us. It helps us find our way into the ears of more Wildcat fans. You can also follow us on social media. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, if you're on Twitter, especially, we've been doing watch parties for away games. And so we'll have a couple of those this week. Wildcats will be on the road against Eastern Washington and Idaho heading up to the Palouse. And so uh, we'll be doing watch parties on Twitter spaces for those. So hop on Twitter and join us. Uh, they've been a good time so far. Wouldn't you guys agree? Most definitely. Yeah, it's been a blast. Good, good to have conversation during the games. Usually, especially when the team's on the road, you're sitting by yourself. And, and this has been a good place to to have that uh, sports bar feel of my, chatting my with kid, other my fans. Kid, my kids like they're tired of me breaking down the offensive scheme and things like that when they don't understand it. All. So it, it's fun. They don't care. <laughs> All right, fellas. So uh, that's kind of the stuff as we kind of get into the show. Now we want to bring in um, our player interview tonight. Uh, we want to welcome senior forward Dante Bassett to Weber State Weekly. Dante, thank you so much for taking some time to chat with us. Like we said, we know that you fellas are really busy uh, now in the midst of recovering from six games in 13 days. And uh, getting ready to, like we said, take the trip. This is probably one of the longest trips in the conference, heading up to Moscow and then beyond to Cheney. We'll be heading to Cheney first. Dante Bassett, welcome to Weber State Weekly. Uh, thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, man, we appreciate you, like we said, for coming on the show and taking a little bit of time. And so wanted to start out and just kind of talk to you, man, a little bit about your journey. Originally from Oakland, just like Dame, and then uh, ended up playing high school basketball in Florida, actually, before being recruited by the Gators. Talk to us, man. I mean, you move all the way across the country. I mean, that's, yeah. a, that's a pretty far move. I mean, I just moved to Nashville from Utah myself. Yeah. Like that was far enough and yours yeah. was even further. So talk to us a little bit about that move and kind of what got you on the radar of, of the Gators to eventually play three years at down in the swamp. Um, it was a crazy, crazy journey. Um, I started playing basketball after I moved from well, now I have to give you guys a whole spill. So uh, around like the age, I want to say 12, 13, I moved from the Bay to Mississippi with my um, with my mom and her uh, standing family and my brothers and sisters and all that. And um, I lived there for two years. Then I ended up moving um, back uh, to the Bay uh, to live with my dad. Um, just like, you know, just myself this time. And that was like when I moved to California, that was my first time like uh, playing basketball was my um, was my ninth grade summer heading to yeah, my ninth grade summer. So, um, yeah, I was real raw. Um, I always had a good motor, but I was just I couldn't really I was I was bad to, to you know, I guess to tell it short. I was I was terrible. <laughs> um, 
And um, that's when uh, I got in, in, in contact with Coach Rame through my high school coach uh, at San Lorenzo High. And then, you know, he, he started working me out and, you know, he brought me to the program and, you know, I started playing AAU with him and um, things started picking up. I got I got better um, pretty, pretty, pretty fast. Um, so that, that still kind of shocked me, like during the process, it, it wasn't really like hitting me like how um, much I was elevating my game in a short span of time. But when I look back at it, like it was like it was like that. Like I started ninth grade summer. Um, I played one year in my high school there. And for my 11th and 12th grade year, um, I ended up um, moving to a, a prep school in, um, in Osmar, uh, Florida. It's Osmar Christian. It's like a, a couple minutes. It's like right next to Tampa, basically. It's basically the same city. Okay. And, um, you know, there uh, I was playing, you know, under our head coach, Jordan Fair. And um, I, again, I just got better like fast and um, I didn't have no offers when I first my first year there I worked hard um I was still traveling back to California uh each summer to play with um the Oakland Rebels so um it was kind of weird because I would play you know AU on the west coast but I would play go to high school on the east coast so my recruitment was kind of from like pretty much from the west you know to the east you know it's kind of had like a lot of um, a lot of schools for my for my final list, and uh, I ended up going with uh, University of Florida because I felt like it was um, it reminded me of California, uh, California because it was so diverse, and uh, and the weather was great. <laughs> mm-hmm. Weather's great in Florida, so you know that was a big plus, and it's kind of I felt more comfortable being around you know diverse people and and that whole like. I wouldn't say it's as Florida and California is the same, but they have a lot of similarities. So it's kind of, kind of made me feel comfortable being on campus and stuff. Um, so yeah, that's why I, you know, I went there, um, injured, got my, had a stress, navicular stress fracture on my right foot. Mm. That sidelined me for my whole um, freshman year. So I registered that year. Um, I played three more years there. Didn't have the, the, the best opportunity to get on the court. Um, decided to leave my uh, for my grad transfer year, and um, I was like again, you know, Coach Coach Raym, uh, Raymond Young. Uh, he, um, you know, he's like a father figure to me. You know, he he taught me a lot of things. Um, my work ethic and my attitude and where I carry carry myself can um, be contributed to him a lot. Um, so. Uh, I guess asked him, I was, you know, like, I need a good spot. You know, it's my last year. This was before, you know, I knew I would have been granted. You know, everyone got granted another year. So I was, you know, coming out like I need, you know, a, a good spot where I can, you know, come in and play uh, for my last year. And um, he was looking around and, you know, him and him and um, Coach Ray is, you know, longtime friends because, you know, Dame and other players that, you know, that play with the Rebels and, you know, went through. Uh, Weber and um, that kind of made me feel uh, it made me feel more comfortable um, just speaking with Coach Ray and 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 just understanding him because I know that um, Coach Coach Ray Coach Rain um, really trusted him so that kind of made me trust him as well and um, we was talking and pretty much from the first I say Two weeks that I was in a transfer porter, I already knew that I was coming to Weber. Um, I just knew, you know, the, you know, like the fit, you know, Duff and Ray been been together for like years. I felt like I could, uh, you know, I could came here and, and you know play, and um, and really make an impact on the team and everything. So um, yeah, I you know that's what made me really made me come here. Just my, my belief in Coach Rain and his belief in Coach Ray. So that just kind of made me and Coach Ray um, connection easier um, to build and, you know, to really, you know, let my guard down because I was, I was really skeptical of like, you know, of what coaches was telling me because of my first recruitment, you know. So I was kind of already, you know, on edge. But, you know, Coach Ray, knowing Coach Rain has kind of made it, you know, easier and, I feel like it was a good spot for me to come here and, you know, it was a great decision. 
Well, I'd have to say we agree because uh, thus far, I mean, luckily, like you said, uh, because of the COVID year, you had an ex- extra opportunity to come back to Weber State and play this season. Uh, and things have really gone well so far. Fellas, uh, questions for Dante Bassett. Dante, what's the, what's the biggest difference in between uh, the Big Sky and the SEC uh, other than talent and, and arena size? Um, I would say the, the pace of the game. I know, you know, we play at a pretty fast pace, but the SEC overall, you know, they have quicker guards, um, you know, that's like basically, you know, besides talent, um, gets bigger, more physical players. And um, yeah, like the bigs in SEC was, they was, they was big, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, yeah. Yeah. That was, that was something that, I noticed, you know, watching, you know, Weber play before I came here was, um, yeah, like the bigs in the SEC was, um, was big, but uh, again, that was just like faster. It's kind of, um, basically it was the, the talent was just like a, a whole nother level, the, the competition. Sure. And, um, so, so one of the things we've noticed in, in your play is that, uh, um, and I'm old, so I remember when Shaquille O'Neal was a rookie and, and I met him, uh, once when he was playing in the NCAA tournament, but, uh, I, I it, it feels like you have the same problem that Shaq had early in his career that he was so big and so much bigger than everybody else in the in the in the league that people get just get bounced right off of him and you get called for a lot of ticky tack fouls where you're just standing there and somebody ba- and and somebody drives into you and they bounce off and fall down and you get called for the foul. So uh, how do you feel about that? How does how does that uh, how do you have to adjust your game to accommodate for what are some really weak foul calls on you during the conference play? Yeah, I felt I really, um, I really been feeling, feeling like that these last past couple of games. But I just have to, you know, adjust. I know. Um, I felt like last year. I felt like last year wasn't really a problem. I was, you know, getting to the free throw line a lot. But I feel like this year, I just have to focus on, um, just not not worrying about the, you know, the calls that I don't get in the cars that I do get caught on me because like you said, a lot of them is just like, they just bounce off me and it's like, foul. I'm like, you know, like, what do you want me to do? You know, <laughs> yeah. Come on, man. you know, but you know, you know, that's the game. I just, you know, have to adjust. And, um, yeah. John or Chappie question for Dante Bassett. Dante, I wanted to ask you a little bit about your uh, your outside shooting. I think we saw a little bit of that this year, but it, that's really been an aspect, at least in the last couple of games, where it looks like you're pretty comfortable out there. When did that aspect of your game, you know, really kind of really kind of kick in? Because I don't think really anybody thought, you know, when you were first recruited here, um, that you were going to be as good of an outside shooter as you have been. So, like, when did that part of your game kind of first start to develop? Um. I would say yeah, ever since like AAU, because um, I felt like this goes back. Like I started so late, um, I felt like I had always had like a good touch and stuff. Because um, I was kind of like uh, like a mold of clay, you know, like a like a clump of clay you just kind of mold into. And um, I felt like I always had I always had a good mid range shot in AAU, and I was shooting threes in AAU. I've always been a good shooter, but like when I got to my prep school, um, we just had so much like talent. I think we had like six, seven division one players. So it wasn't really like a, a, like a need or like a necessity for me to, um, to shoot threes. And then when I got to Florida, I couldn't really shoot threes because I just wasn't allowed to, for some reason. So I never really got to show that part of my game. And then when I got here, you know, the, you know, the coaching staff really just, um, believed in my shot and then like, you know, they knew I was a good shooter. So they just kind of, you know, you know, let me, let me play my game. So, um, I always, always, always could, always could shoot though. I always could shoot. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's one aspect like of your game, like John King said, that has maybe been overlooked by a lot of defenses because we noticed a few times, especially in that Sac state game, it felt that teams mm-hmm. didn't really respect that. And so you would, you would step back, you know, cause they, they know that the Wildcats are a team that want to drive. They want to get to the paint. They see the play of JJ Overton and Kobe McEwen and what, you know, Dylan Jones can do around the rim. And then they're like, oh, this guy's going to step out behind the line, like go ahead and let him. And then they get burned over and over again because they're, you know, the scheme is this, but they're not adjusting to that piece. And so it's been, like John said, a really, a, a really underlooked aspect of your game that has had, I think, an outsized impact on the way that Big Sky play has gone, especially. All right. All right. Chappy, question for Dante Bassett. 
Yeah. So Dante, first of all, a compliment, man, you have been a revelation. It's like the past three or four weeks that you've been you know, back and healthy and playing a lot. It's been an absolute pleasure watching, watching you on the court. Um, if you wouldn't mind sharing with our listeners, what, what's, what's been the season progression that led to you starting at center and, and getting that playing time. I don't think most people out there know, you know, the ins and outs of it all. I don't know the ins and outs of it all, but you know, there was, it, it seemed like early in the season we were, you know, Randy coach Ray was looking for big men to step up and we kept switching around and some, some games, Alex was starting some games, Cody Carlson was starting. I mean, take mm-hmm. us through what, what led to the mo you know, to about three weeks ago where, where you were, you were the guy and it's been absolutely phenomenal to watch play since. Uh, yeah, once I got back and um, I got back, you know, you know, healthy and my conditioning got good. I knew that I was um, I was ready to come in and and um, and fill in that, you know, you know, that hole that we had because, you know, I just kept working, um, you know, kept doing extra workouts two times, sometimes even three times a day, just getting extra work in, trying to get in shape, trying to get better, trying to be ready. And then I felt like it just all kind of came together once I came back. And, you know, I felt like we, you know, things started clicking, not only for me, but, you know, you know, for our team. And um, that's, that's, that's pretty much what I did. I just kept working because I knew my time, my time was coming. I just had to, you know, it was, there was a lot of frustration and a lot of, a lot of nights, so I'm like, man, I guess I just want to be out there to help my guys, you know. I just want to be out there to help us win. But I just kept kept putting in the work. Um, it was tough, but I knew that, you know, when my time was, you know, came, you know, I had to be ready. And um, so that's, you know, that's pretty much it. That's pretty much all I did. I just kept my head down and just kept working. Well, it's awesome to see because we had commented on the show a lot. And to me, the, the thing that your game brings to the team is that, having an inside presence and having somebody there and you can also go outside tends to even things out. It, it gives, it gives the offense on the offensive side of a ball, uh, a whole element that, you know, in some of those rougher games, the, the BYU Fresno, Utah state games in December, it just seemed like that we were lacking an, an inside presence. So it's been, um, it's been great to see you do that. But the, my, my second question here is this, as Sean mentioned, we've, we've also commented here on the show, um, your, your size is just your stature is much larger than typical big sky, big men. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, is, who, who in the league, is, is there anybody in the league that you feel, you know, that, that, that you feel comfortable going against? We made the comment that uh, Jabril Bello on Saturday night was like, okay, that athletically and size wise, he matches up with Dante, but it doesn't seem like many of the other guys in the league quite do. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, Bellows Bellow is a good matchup. I feel like uh, you know, you know, he's a he's a big big and and I'm a big big and that's pretty much like the only I'm trying to think. A lot of, you know, teams in this in the you know in the big sky, they don't like you said, they don't have like a, a huge like a big five man, you know? Mm-hmm. Um But yeah, I feel like that, you know, I would love uh man Bello. I feel like that, you know, that can be a really good matchup, but I don't really see any I'm trying to think I might be offending some other big Scott, big man, but I, I can't really see a, a, like a, another big that's in like our conference. That's like my size and, you know, you know, skill level and everything like that. So no other know. players are listening to this. You can, you can speak freely here. It's a safe yeah. space. <laughs> well, and I think, I think the thing is Dante that uh, like, like you're saying, I mean, a player like yourself is sort of outside of the mold of what the sky traditionally kind of recruits right that this guy seems mm-hmm. to like to find guys who are you know like they're they're tall but maybe they don't have the same the same weight and uh, they like to shoot threes um, maybe they're they've got a nose for the ball around around the hoop but you know for rebounding purposes but for the most part you know the sky tends to like to stretch the floor right now. You know, it's, it's not mm-hmm. very often that you see a player who is really, really dominant in the paint, you know, because of the size, like we talked about. And so it is difficult when you think about the teams that the Wildcats have faced, because uh, the, the Wildcats have now faced everybody in the conference. We've seen everybody. Uh, mm-hmm. And so you've gotten to look at everybody. And now, you know, I even have seen a couple of players twice or a couple yeah. of teams twice. And so it's like, I look around and I'm, I'm sort of that you are where it's like, I, I don't, I don't know. I, aside from, like we said, the, the comp with Jubriel Bello, who is a, a very physical um, mm-hmm. uh, front court man. Like uh, th- that's just not very common for the league. Yeah. 
So, Colby, do we have one more time for one more? Yeah, I've got a couple more questions before yeah, we let Dante yeah. go here. So, so Dante, this is this is going to be silly, and it, and <laughs> and you you can you can do with this what you want. But one of the things that my family notices about you, and when I bring uh, newcomers to the Purple Palace to watch games, not only does your play on the court stand out, but your golden locks stand out. Besides <laughs> you, who else in the conference is all first team Big Sky Hair team? Uh I've not I've not made my teammate uh, JJ. You know his hair his hair is pretty dope. Um, yeah. I'm trying to see. Uh, the, was it uh, there was a kid on Montana State that had a fro? Was that? That was. I don't remember. That was. That was some big so, hair. So Raekwon <laughs> Battle, uh, you know who? Sh- oh who yeah, Raekwon. Down, yeah, yeah. He knocked yeah, down he, some big threes for Montana State. I mean, he had he had it going. He had some good flow. Yeah, there's there's the kid on uh, Southern Utah that's dyed red right now. Yeah, oh, that's yeah, right. Night the third. Yeah, yeah. That's, the that's down all over our jerseys because like he just did it. I guess like red <laughs> 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 hair down our jersey. Like, come on, <laughs> that's impressive. <laughs> yeah, there's uh, a, a couple of players on the, you know in the conferences. You know, but you know, cool. You know, cool style hairs and stuff like that. Yeah. One last question, fellas, before we let Dante Bassett go here. Dante, how are you guys feel? I mean, again, I just want to say congratulations for a, a rough stretch where you guys went five and one. That's absolutely phenomenal. Um, how were how were the legs on on Saturday night? And are you guys getting rest and feeling better now? Um, I would say it was more for me at least. It was more of a mental fatigue then um it was definitely physical um, fatigue too but it was more like you know mental mental um, fatigue um that's how i saw things but you know like i said we got two days off so it was it was pretty good i'm feeling good i'm pretty sure my teammates feeling good you know we got away from it a little bit you know kind of rejuvenated you know i think we got like seven more games left in the conference i think so you know just take it one game at a time and just you know, try to have another great, a great stretch to end a in conference play. Yeah. So uh, we noted at the top that the Wildcats will be hitting the road this week, going up to Cheney for Eastern Washington game. Um, it was a tough battle against them. They're a very physical team and they don't give up. And so we'll be interested to see how that game ends up uh, up at, uh, I forgot what their arena is called. Dang it. I can't believe I forgot that. Anyway, up in Cheney. And then after that, you guys will get to uh, get a look at that brand new facility up in uh, at Moscow mm-hmm. at, at the University of Idaho. We, and we talked about a lot of us about going up there for that game just because, I mean, that facility is brand new and it just looks absolutely incredible. Probably the best facility in the conference right now. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, Dante Bassett, really appreciate you taking some time to chat with us here on Weber State Weekly, man. Wish you all the best of luck with the rest of the week and the rest of the conference schedule. Uh, we'll be looking forward to Boise and kind of seeing how things shake out. Uh, mm-hmm. But as we do, just know that uh, we're, we'll be in the Purple Palace rooting you on. And also, we'll be on Twitter Spaces when you guys are on the road talking about yeah, the yeah. game and rooting for you, fellas. So, Dante, thank you so much for chatting with us tonight. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You guys have a great night. Yeah, you too, man. You too. All right. We want to thank Dante Bassett one more time for taking a little bit of time to chat with us. Um, like we said, we know that this, those guys are tired, kind of getting through their getting back and getting rejuvenated, uh, both physically and mentally, like Dante noted there at the end. So a little bit of time to chat with us tonight. Uh, greatly appreciated. So now, fellas, uh, let's let's switch gears a little bit and let's talk about the games uh, because we had two last weekend that we can cover. Uh, we already talked about the Eastern Washington game in our game last week. I mean, Iwu was uh, a really, really tough team. And uh, we, we talked all about that on Tuesday night. So let's look forward now to the Montana, Montana state game. I mean, Thursday, th- this was the game, right guys. I mean, this at the time was the only team that had beaten the, the Wildcats in conference play. Now, of course it had to be done at Dahlberg because that's the way it is. But uh, Wildcats took the Grizz down uh, thanks to a career night from Kobe McEwen. He had 32 points, five of 12 shooting three of seven from three. And you look at that and go, ah, eh, that's not that great. But then you look at the stat line for free throws. 19 of 20 set a com, uh, set a school record for made free throws in a night. I mean, what do you guys think about that? I mean, what was what was helping Kobe be so successful against the number one defense in the conference? Well, I hate to I hate to say it like this, but you know, man, there were a lot of ticky tack fouls called in that game. I mean, like you know, 
I, I remember I remember watching I just remember watching the game just be like, you know, are the are the refs ever gonna let like the natural game flow? I mean, and that just you know went to show I went back to look at the box score and I was I was looking at it. Um Montana had two guys um uh foul out of the game, had twenty uh sorry, had thirty um uh uh um sorry, twenty-four personal fouls over the course mm-hmm. of the game, which is it's just extremely, extremely high. But I mean, you know, the Wildcats did a great job of uh, of, of of attacking the basket, and that kind of came from all angles, especially in the second half. So we were only two for th- we were only two for ten from beyond the arc in the second half. So a lot of the damage had to be done close to the basket, which you know um, uh, the Wildcats really did an excellent job of. But uh, I mean, twenty free throws is a is a heck of a feat. I mean, because you know, there's very few games where where you ever get to see that, and you know, part of it that I definitely think was you know, some very soft officiating, which definitely hurt us some that night. Um, and I guess we'll get to the, the, the incident at the end of the game. But, um, uh, but, th- but then, you know, just a constant, you know, relentless attack in the basket. But that's been his game all year. Um, and, uh, um, you know, we're going to benefit from that, 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 that more, that more times than not. Yeah, I mean, absolutely good point. And like you, and and good to to point out there, John, that two two Grizzlies did end up fouling out, and uh, I think you know two starters. We should point out you know, Mac Anderson, Derek Carter, Hollinger, both you know with five fouls, and I think there was a fair bit of time after Carter Hollinger fouled out, right, because he was going up against Dante, he was out down in the paint, and uh, plus, like you said, the addition of JJ Overton and Kobe McEwen driving to the basket, just creating problems, attacking the rim, uh, and the Grizz just you know absolutely struggled to kind of keep up with that, um, and so. Lots of fouls, and as a result, lots of free throws ended up going. Because I bet I can't remember exactly, but the Wildcats were shooting free throws for at least ten minutes of the second yeah, half. I think it was like twelve and a half. Yeah, like twelve and a half we minutes. Really like, I mean, there's a lot going on right there, right? And and normally you would criticize Kobe for going five of twelve uh, from the field, but but obviously it was working for him driving to the basket and yeah, getting, getting that fouled. call. Yeah, he's getting fouled every time, and whether they're ticky tack fouls or fouls that we would normally call or not is is immaterial. And fouls only a foul if the referee blows his whistle. And on, on Thursday night, the referees are blowing their whistles, unlike on Saturday night when they weren't blowing their whistles. So uh, <laughs> that that's a dig. But but hitting nineteen and twenty w- was fantastic, and I think he just had that mentality to take the game over. Um, I if I could pull up my here i actually really liked um uh, dj do it all dj's stat line went eight 11 from the field um 11 rebounds uh four assists 18 points uh in 39 minutes i thought he had just a spectacular game even though kobe gets the credit for having the career high in points and and so many free throw attempts and makes now it's a good point, right? Like Dylan Jones with eight of 11 shooting in it, you know, and, and DJ, most of those shots were coming close to the rim, you know? And so it just kind of showed that the Wildcats, even though the three point shot wasn't really working for them, you know, John noted there in the second half Wildcats shot 20%, just two of 10, you know, and in, even in the first half, they weren't exactly ripping it. So they were shooting pretty well for, you know, 42%, six of 14, you know, for three. I mean, that, that, those are good numbers, but in that second half, you know, we know that the Grizz are a stingy defensive team and they made the adjustment on the perimeter, but then the Wildcats attack the paint. And, um, not only does Dylan Jones get 18 points, he walks away with 11 rebounds with another double, double Chappie, What do you well, think and, about that? Grizz? Well, and, and Sean and I were, Sean and I were hanging out at the game together <laughs> and, uh, it was a good time. And, and we were debating in the second half, who was the player of the game, and and it, clearly it's Kobe. Kobe had a great night, you know, very much saved the game. But man, Dylan Jones was good. And the key moment of the game, I mean, the key, key moment of the game was came at 11-17 left in the second half when you know, Weber State's down by five. They've been struggling to match the Grizz the whole game. And then Dylan Jones goes on a run where he scores three straight buckets, you know, and yeah, personal and changed all the momentum. Momentum. Yep. Yeah. I mean, and he took him to the rack every time, got the ball on the outside, took it to the rack every time, scored six straight points. And that was the turning point in the game. That, that was the moment where it was no longer, you know, Weber coming back and, and trying to match Montana. They were ahead and, and, and they did it. So it was, it was absolutely a pleasure to see that. And, and and the, the other thing I noted being in the crowd was that 
man, Weber State fans do not like losing to Montana. Like, we all know that and we all feel that, but it was very fun being in the arena and feeling that same energy from everybody else. And just, you know, when it got to 15 minutes left in the second half and everybody's like, this is not going to happen. Like, we do not want to lose to Montana, not here at home. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was highly enjoyable to see us come away, come away with the win. Yeah, and so uh, when the Wildcats did, uh, like we said, Wildcats ended up wrapping that one up, um, winning by five, which, you know, things got a little close there at the end. Uh, Wildcats win 80 to 75, but the Wildcats outscored the Grizz 43 to 36 in the second half, uh, led by Kobe McEwen in his career night, uh, 32 points. Uh, and those 19 made free throws. So just absolutely incredible. And, and a huge win for the Wildcats to continue to remain at the top of the conference, right? Um, it was kind of weird, though, because... And we talked a little bit about this in the Big Sky Podcast Network group chat about the fact that I think maybe both the Wildcats and the Grizz kind of had an emotional hangover from that game because they both did not play well on Saturday, uh, had a rough go. Uh, luckily, the Wildcats were you know, facing a very, very tough Montana State team. I mean, Danny Sprinkle, the head coach at Montana State, is doing an absolutely great job with that team. Um, they are very, very competitive, and we saw that on Saturday night. But the Grizz then go on to Pocatello and lose to the, the Bengals. Um, and, you know, are left sort of wondering, and it was sort of, I, I, I wanted to know if you guys kind of agree with me on this one. I We were talking about this, and I said that, Travis DeCure, the head coach of the Montana Grizzlies, always gets his team up to play Weber. Doesn't matter where, whether it's in Boise, at Dahlberg, in Missoula, or in the Purple Palace, he's going to have his guys ready to play. That maybe level of intensity doesn't always happen for all games, but it always happens for our game, right? Um, and I think that we maybe saw that on Saturday night. What, I mean, what's your guys' take on that? Well, I think we can all agree... I, I agree with you with what you're saying, but I think we can all agree that the more embarrassing loss is going into Holt Arena and losing by 20. Because just like uh, well, we should never lose to the green gym. teams or regym, whatever, six one half does the other. Um, <laughs> the uh, uh, going into regym, you know, and losing by 20 is is insane. bad loss, and uh, and then that's that's a bad bad loss. That's way more embarrassing than getting boat raced at the end of six games. Uh, uh, where you've played six and thirteen, uh, by the number two, one of the number two teams in the conference. So, um, I, I, talking with a lot of fans that I interact with, I think everybody was okay with the loss. They understood the situations. They understood the tired legs, the, and what went into to losing on Saturday night. Yeah, we hate to get boat raced at home. Nobody likes to lose at home, especially by that margin. But understanding the context around it, I don't think anybody's down on the Wildcats. And as long as they stay in first place, which let's admit it, where the sky's not falling, we're still in first place in the conference. Still in first place. Um, you know, we, we've got a way to make this happen. And, and, uh, and, and, you know, I, I don't, I'm not going to be worried about it. I think Weber finishes one or two uh, in the standings, in the seedings. I hope we finish one. Um, we're getting some help from Montana on Monday night, uh, uh, beating SUU. So I, I think that, uh, that Weber is going to have a chance to, have to be that number one seed, when, which is all you ask for. And, and that's what helps you get, get things done in Boise. And not only was it not only was it six games in thirteen days, but I mean we played Southern Utah, we played Eastern Washington, we played both the Montana schools. So like four of those six games were against people who are going to be playing at the business end of the conference tournament. I mean, like you know those last four games were absolutely brutal. Um, uh, you know, throw, it, throw in Northern, throw in Northern Colorado in that too, and, yeah, I mean, and them as well. And it, we played the top half of the standings in six, and, and in twelve days. And it sucks that that's the way the scheduling worked out. But if you would have told me at the beginning of this stretch that we were going to go five and one and we were going to handle, handle the vast majority of our business, I would have been like, thank you very much. I will take that right off your hands. And we move on to the last, you know, seven or eight games in the, uh, in, in, in the conference schedule. Um, but I mean, uh, um, I, I will say though, I guess this will be a, a, a little, a little bit of a dig at Montana, but like, you know, Idaho State loss is bad. I mean, like we were just talking about this a couple of weeks. I mean, Idaho State isn't one of the worst teams in the conference. They're one of the worst teams in the country. Yeah. And so, you know, I mean, if, so, if anybody's if anybody's chirping the Wildcats about you know losing like a game against Montana State, I mean, well, I don't know. Let, let's give credit where credit's due, John. I we need to thank the Bengals 
for for adding a oh, loss yeah, to the yeah, Montana yeah. Oh, course, loss column because that helps us in the standings. That helps us. Uh, Weber State, uh, you know, there's a big knot for for that number two seed right now, and Weber State is still above that fray. And every loss that that every other team gets is good. And and point this out just just for me, the the I'd much ra- I'm so much happier that we lost to Montana State than to Montana. And the reason is this: if it comes down yes. to a tie at the end of the season, we still have tiebreakers that we can do. If Montana beats us on Thursday. They hold an outright tiebreaker, and that's it. But now that we're one and one against both those teams, then it goes to those second and third tiebreakers, which are going to be important because we hold wins over all the other teams. Sean, that's you. You may have made the best point I think anybody's made in a in a while on this show, and and that is that it absolutely matters that, that we beat Mont- that we beat Montana and, and lost Montana State, and also that we need to finish above that log jam at number two, because a bad loss on the wrong night could put us at four or five, you know, eventually at, at the end of the season. And yeah, you know, we don't want that. We, we want to be number one seed and we want to be on the, and some people, some fans will hate me for saying, we want to be on the opposite side of the bracket of wherever Montana is <laughs> because Travis Secure right? gets his teams up and is whether we want to admit it or not, he does it. He's I, I had to go find the quote and just plaster it somewhere. He said that last season that he recruits to beat Weber state. He gets up to beat them. We want to be on the opposite side of the bracket, but 1000% we need to finish above that log jam at number two, because if we're on the wrong side of that log jam, we could be four five, six and be in a terrible and, spot. And, and live standings coming out of Monday night, you've got Montana state and Southern Utah tied with two losses. Now Southern Utah is going to get their third tonight. So it's really Montana state on that two line. Uh, but Montana losing to Idaho State puts them all the way down to four. They drop from second to fourth to Chappie's point. And, and that makes a huge difference because it does put them on the opposite. Or no, it puts them on the same side as Weber State in the number one seed in that semifinal matchup. So, you know, it, it, you can I'd rather be number one in that in that position. But yes. uh, the, the way the standings are working out that that's going on. I'd have to put together a bracket to see how the standings play out exactly and they're, and they're going to change because in the big sky nothing stays the same somebody's going to lose a game that they shouldn't and and you know portland state's going to get a win that they don't deserve and 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 uh idaho state obviously got a win that they didn't deserve so uh that's and deserves the wrong word but i was like i don't know but, they, they, they beat him by 20 yeah. <laughs> it wasn't well, in doubt. you know what i'm saying though Yes, Sean. Sean's going to whip out Big Sky Bracketology. We're going to get some of that going on here. Let's do it. Get, get this man a whiteboard. going get, get, on. Give me ten seconds, and I could have it up. <laughs> but I will say this though, too. But Weber's schedule, it, it, when it became obvious at about ten minutes left on Saturday night that it was just not going to be Weber's night, uh, yeah, we started comparing schedules in the stands, and and Weber's schedule is by far and away uh, the easiest. It doesn't mean we don't play some tough teams. But we get them at home, you know, other than Iwu. Iwu's scrappy and they could very well get us on the wrong night. But other than that, like SUU's at home, Northern Colorado's home. I mean, we've got games that you want to have at home, at home the second, the, these last couple of weeks. Yeah. And so, so um, if, if standings hold, just because Chappie asked, if standings hold right now, we would get uh, the winner of Northern Arizona and Sacramento State uh, in that first round on Thursday. Uh, that's a noon game uh, on on Thursday. If you have the number one seed, um, the the uh, Montana at number four would have to go up against Northern Colorado. That's a tough matchup. I don't care who matchup. you are. Yeah. Um, and I'm not sure where they've where they've. Uh, I'm, I'm going to look it up here and see if I can find how they've played each other this year. But uh, um, well, this is what yeah, I was going to say, fellas. Was that I think that what we learned from this six game stretch was that. Yes, the Wildcats come away with five uh, with five of six wins. That's great. Uh, they had a great run. Uh, they played some really tough teams on the road, and and this team showed its grit. And, and especially on the road for most of these te- most of these games, right? Uh, the Wildcats have, have done, I think, a really good job of going on the road this season and taking care of business. And so, but what we've seen is that it really depends on the night, right? Like the the, the Big Sky this year is so so stacked from one to five that it really could be anybody on a given night in a tournament in Boise where it just depends. It depends on how the game is going, you know, because the Wildcats go to Bozeman and they handle business early in the season. And then the Bobcats come down 
down to Ogden and they absolutely the Wildcats on their floor in the Purple Palace, right? Like anything can happen in Boise. And I think it's going, this points to a really, really exciting tournament. Seating will be important, like we're having the conversation about right now. But I mean, anything could happen in Boise this year. And so it's like, if you can't get there, I mean, this is the year to do it, folks, because no matter what happens, these are going to be great games. Absolutely great games. And we haven't talked a ton about it, but credit to Montana State. I mean, they, they oh, yeah. were good on Saturday night. They were they good. Were good. You know, yeah. Bishop, Bishop, Bishop would have put the week's like, rest that they would be good. I mean, that was, yeah, a, of course. I mean, but, we talk about schedule losses in the NBA. That was a schedule loss for the Wildcats. <laughs> I mean, you don't, but, but you don't fault them for that. Even, even as mentally and physically tired as that team, as our guys were, as the team was on Saturday, which was, which was obvious, you know, at about eight minutes left in the first half that, that they, that they were spent. Even without that, I mean, Montana state athletically was the, to me was the more, was, the most athletic team I've seen Weber play all season outside of going back to, you know, Fresno state, right. Any in conference season, they were the most athletic team, but not only that, their defense was good. I mean, they were, they were, they were locking Weber down when they had, when they had the opportunity. Now that doesn't mean that that's what's going to happen. If, if, when hopefully they meet up in Boise, but they were good. They were, they played really well on Saturday. Well, and, and one thing that I wrote down in the notes, fellas, was that the Wildcats in that game had five assists, just five assists. And I think that that right there is the game. Uh, we've noticed that when the Wildcats do really well, when they're passing the ball, the ball's not sticking, it's moving around, guys are cutting back door, you know, they're finding ways to get open. Uh, good things can happen for the Wildcats on offense. But when it's not, uh, when, when the defense is gumming up that system, Wildcats getting turnovers and then not able to score on the other end. Cause we saw that when they were, when the Wildcats were getting some turnovers themselves, they were able to score in transition and they like doing that. I mean, it's easy to run the floor and make that happen. Right. But when you've got a run in the half court set and the ball is sticking and you're just not sharing the ball well, and it's a lot of drive from the top of the key and see what happens with a team that is as long and physical in the post as Montana state was, it's going to be for a really long night. And you know, that's what happened. Compare that to, sorry, John, I keep cutting you off. I'll, I'll finish. Compare that to 12 assists uh, against Montana and 16, or excuse me, 11 assists against UU, right? So that, that's, yeah. that, that's kind of the mark. Now, but I will say this, last point for me on this. If there is one thing that potentially worries me about Montana State, it is that going back to that bad stretch of games that we had in December, um, is looking back on it, the reason that USU, BYU, Fresno were able to to beat Weber so badly was it felt like that. It felt like they were just a little bit taller, a little bit lankier, and just a little bit more athletic, and it absolutely disrupted Weber State's flow back then. And if there's one thing that does concern me potentially about about Montana State, it was that they they definitely have a little bit more length than the average Big Sky team, and a little bit more athleticism than the average Big Sky team this year. So looking ahead to match up some Boise, Chappie, John, Colby, which two teams do you want to see on the other side of the bracket? Because I think Montana State, I don't want them on on Weaver's side of the bracket. I think that's a championship <laughs> matchup game. Yep. And Southern Utah seems to have that that Weaver kryptonite sometimes that things, mm-hmm. crazy things happen when we play the T-Birds. It's going to be the last time. I think I think is the way the standings hold right now, I, I like where we're at at number one with Montana and no, Northern Colorado on the four or five line and you avoid Montana state and Southern Utah. What are let's you give I'd rather, John King. I, let's give him a chance. I, here. I, 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 I'd rather both Montana teams be on the other side of the bracket because yeah. I think that those two Same. teams have played us, have, have played us the toughest um, this season, Montana, especially, I do not want to see Montana for the championship game period. End of report. Like it's, that is going to be a tough too, game. Too, it is too many scars. It, it has, it has proved to be a tough game both times. I mean, you know, both fan bases are going to, you know, make claims as to, you know, why each team, because we could say, look, the officiating in the second half of the game in, uh, uh, in Missoula was absolutely brutal, just terrible for the Wildcats and it cost the Wildcats the game, but then they could come back and say, well, you know, officiating wasn't that great not good for them either. And so, you know, both, both, I think both fan bases, if you, if you, if you talk to everybody, they would, they, most people would say, well, we should be two and zero against those guys. Um, that's going to be, a t- that's just going to be a tough matchup. They, for whatever reason, and Chappie said it a million times, I don't know why it is, but I, I, I they're, they're a team that I worry about. And then, you know, 
length of Montana State. I mean, like you guys have said, not a typical Big Sky team when it comes to size. Um, you know, I'd much rather see a team like Northern Colorado and a team like Southern Utah. And I could eat my words later for saying that, but I'd much rather see them, you know, in a semifinal matchup than, than the other two. Yeah. Cause that I'm, I'm exactly in that camp right there, John King. I would rather see the two Montana schools on the other side of the bracket. Let those two duke it out. I think that ultimately Montana state beats Montana. Uh, and then we'll see what happens in the championship game, but I would much rather face a Southern Utah or a Northern Colorado who I feel that the Wildcats match up very well against. And, Especially and Southern happens. Utah. Cause they cannot shoot. I mean, like they, I, we, we talked about that in the lead up. We talked about that in the lead up, you know, to, um, uh, to the game. Cause I think we had an early night podcast on, uh, mm-hmm. on, on that night. They don't shoot the ball well at all, which is not a good recipe for success over the course of a multi-day tournament like that. And so, like I said, I could, I could live to rue the day, but give me, the, give, give me the T-Birds every day of the week. And let's just pack it in the zone or, you know, pack it in the paint and say, look, if you're going to, if you knock down 10 threes tonight, congratulations, you won the game, but we don't believe you can do it. And I firmly believe that I, I don't think that they can. I agree. I agree with what you said there, John, the, the only pushback I'm going to give you is that I think Montana is beatable. And I'm going to put you on, on this point. I think they're beatable before they get to the wildcats. Like if the standings hold right now, Northern Colorado played them to the last shot. And I think uh, Montana hit hit a buzzer beater to beat them. Um, They don't play again until the last week of the season. Um, And I, and I, there's a lot of looking at, you know, the teams there. I think Montana is the better is the team that is most likely to be upset in that quarterfinal round. Well, yeah, because they lose to teams like Idaho State by twenty. I mean, they, they they they're inconsistent. I mean, that's that's, oh. that's what it is. And, and, and Grizz right. fans, will, and Grizz fans right. will tell you that, right? They will say exactly yeah, that. That that's, this that, is, is, that, uh, that is the cures. That is the cures mo at this point. But he yeah. wins the games that he wants to, and so it is. All right, fellas, we've talked a lot about that. Let's let's do our game really quickly here. We're going to move on to buy and sell. And uh, I've got a few scenarios here. Here, uh, Not a lot of uh, explanation here. Just give me your take. While, you know, are you going to buy or sell on this one? So my very first one, the Wildcats will win the number one seed. John King, you buying or selling buy- on that? I'm buying it because I think with all the log jam of all, you know, with so many teams having to play each other and Weber State having gone through the majority of what I would consider to be the tougher games. I think if the Wildcats split with, you know, with either the game in Cheney this week or when Northern Colorado comes to the purple palace, I think if we go one and one and one of those in those games, I think that we'll be sitting on the, on the, on the top line when big sky tournament play rolls around here in about a month. Yeah, really about games left on the schedule for the Wildcats. All of them will be a home except for that Eastern Washington game on Thursday. But uh, Wildcats will be facing Northern Colorado in the Purple Palace at some point, And they will also be facing SUU in the Purple Palace at some point. And so once the game is over on Thursday, you've really got two really tough must-win games left on the schedule. And you get to play them at home. So, Chappie, what about you? You buying or selling on the number one seed? Oh man, I'm buying. I I am drinking the Kool Aid full on at this point. Like uh, watching, uh, I've been a little bit sketchy on the team's overall performance, honestly, until watching how Dante has come in and just affected the overall tone of the team. Right, he 100% has been to me the thing that put all the pieces together to make it work for Weber State right now, and I'm very excited to see what they do going forward because of that. Okay. Chappie's buying. Sean Lewis, what about you? You buying or selling on the number one seed? I'm buying. And and just for the reasons that everybody else has said, but also looking at the at the schedule that the other teams have to play, uh, Montana State still has to play Northern Colorado and Mon- Montana. Um, Montana still has to play Northern Colorado. Um, I believe they both have Southern Utah and EWU both on the schedule or Southern Utah on the schedule. Um, I think the schedule is tougher for the other teams, which is going to create more chaos below. And since Weaver's already been through that gauntlet, uh, the rest of the road is easy. I am going to, I do think Weaver gets one more loss. I don't think, I don't think we run the rest of the table. I think there's one loss in there and it's probably not going to be to a team that we think it's going to be. Yeah, that's totally fair. I mean, I think that that's very, very, very plausible at this point, like I said. And I really think that that EWU team in the conference tournament is going to be 
a spoiler. They are going to be a dark horse. They are going to be a really tough out. And I yeah, well, would not want to be the they, team that has to face them. They might be that team that's just hitting their stride, right? Like, I mean, they lost their coach and they lost it, an absolute amount of players last season. And, you know, that it takes, they might just hit their stride at that tournament time. So they're, they're good. It's well, a good program. Yeah. And they've got a lot of young guys. Like, they are going to be really tough in the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. Like, really tough. Like, top of the conference, good. All right, fellas. So next one, the two and four seeds will be decided on the final game of the season. John King, you buying or selling on that take? Two through four. Two through four. Final final game of the season. I'm also going to buy that one because there's just mm-hmm. this incredible log jam that is going to go down to the wire. And look, if you for the, for the Wildcats, the goal is just to be the one or the two. I mean, I think we're going to, you know, obviously everybody wants to be the one seed, but like be one of those two avoid of uh, uh, because there's going to be a log jam of games and you know it, especially in you know in, in that quarterfinal round and just if you can avoid a tough matchup in the quarters for as long as possible and get to the semifinals that's where you want to be and in order to do that you got to be the one of the two all right Chappie, you buying or selling the two through four decided on the final day of the season I'm selling on that only because looking at the slate of games that that Saturday, most of, you know, Northern Colorado at Montana State, that might determine a couple things. SGU at Weber State, that might determine a couple things. But other than that, that slate, the last day of the season is not full of of you know games that of, of, of you know crunch time games. So I think I think I think that Thursday before things are gonna be pretty settled. Yeah, I think that that's what makes that Montana loss up in Pocatello on Saturday that much more meaningful, right? Had they not lost that game, um, they would probably be in a really good position, but now they have it to their credit. Sean Lewis, what about you? Buying or selling on seed through four? I'm selling. I'm I'm with Chappie. I think the schedule lines up. The things will be sorted out. I I think the four or five may may get settled. Maybe it's the the two three. Maybe it's the three, four. I'm not sure which order. One of them will still be open, but I don't think you get all three on the last weekend. Okay. One more from buy or sell here, fellas. Um, Yeah, I want to hear you guys take on this one. If the Wildcats win the number one seed and the regular season championship, Kobe McEwen will be crowned conference player of the year. Buyer and selling on that, John King. I can never buy anything harder than harder than that take right there. I, when I saw you, when I saw the rundown and look at that specific question, I was, there's no doubt in my mind that that would be the case. If the Wildcats going through the gauntlet of, of this season, if the Wildcats are the number one seed, survive that gauntlet with some of the performances that Kobe has put forth, um, throughout this season, there's no doubt in my mind he'll be the player of the year. He's been the best player on uh, on this team. I still argue that Dylan Jones is the most important, but at the end of the day, Kobe McEwen's our best player, and I also think he's the best player in the conference from what he can yeah. do on the offensive. Uh, from what he can do on the offensive end to the really underrated defensive aspect of his game, I think he's the best player in the conference. And if the Wildcats are the number one seed in the tournament, I I do believe he will be the player of the year. Yeah, because in in my view right now, it's a two-horse race. It's Kobe McEwen and it's Dalen Koontz. That's it. It's those two guys. Like, I don't want to hear anybody else's name because it's those two guys. Sean Lewis, or I guess, uh, Chappie, you're you're next on this one. Kobe McEwen is the conference player of the year. If the Wildcats get the number one seed, buying or selling? 100% buying that one. Uh, Kobe's, you know, the best player on the best team. That that's if they finish the one seed, that's that's how that works. Okay, Sean Lewis, what about you? Uh, I'm going to be, be contrary, even though I know the other two are right. Uh, my contrariness is that I wanted to go to do it all, DJ instead of Kobe. <laughs> well, okay, I mean that that that's totally fair because, like Don King just noted, I mean while Kobe McEwen is the best player on the best team thus far in conference play, Dylan Jones is the most important player on the team. I mean. 
the double-double against Montana, the spark that he provided in that personal 6-0 run to flip the game and say, okay, we're not losing tonight. Not in this, not in this. And I would say that that's one thing I like about this team that maybe last year's team lacked a little bit was that there's this, uh, we called it nasty. They have this nasty where it's like they're willing to accept the challenge. And even when they were, you know, down to Montana State, they were still trying to come back and like they weren't, they weren't thrown in the towel and given up. And so I think that part of that is McEwen and his leadership on this team to say like, we ain't losing fellas, not tonight. And so he'll go in and do the thing. Couple points on on DJ. Well, two points. One, uh, we we mentioned that in Twitter Spaces last week that Kobe and JJ, especially and Dante, throw all three of them in. Like they do have a, an element of nasty to them. They they're yeah. seniors. They're going out. They've all transferred. Like this is the last hurrah. They're going to do whatever it takes to get where they want to go. You know, and, and that is fun. Um, maybe point for for future show topic. Uh, especially as, as it relates around Dylan Jones, Sean and I were discussing this uh, in the stands last week. But is this is this Dylan Jones's team next year? Like, is is this with all the guys leaving? Does this become just become his team as a as a sophomore? And then two, and I'm man, I just better whisper this. <laughs> it's fun to watch the kid. Don't it's, say it. I'm not going to say it's like watching Dame, but he's young, and it's like you're watching a guy, and you're going, man, this guy's good. Man, this guy's, and it's the same no, thing when I watched he, Joel Ballenboy play. Like I was watching, I remember watching Joel Ballenboy as a freshman, being like, "Man, there's yeah. something different about this guy. There's something a little different about this guy." And at the time, Joel Ballenboy looked like you know looked like a wild pony out He's there. Raw. He just hadn't been trained, and and he got it by his senior year. But man, watching DJ, he's uh, he's really good. <laughs> there's a lot of potential in that kid. Look, look, I I full on admit Kobe is going to win the MVP if Weber wins the conference, right? I, I, I this is not a slide on Kobe at all. <laughs> I, I just wish that, I just wish that voters would recognize the importance that a guy like DJ brings to the Wildcats because he has been, been the difference in so many games um, just but from hustle, getting that timely rebound, getting the timely buckets the other night. He's not putting up the scoring numbers that Kobe has, but I, I'm going to, die on the hill of he has had more important moments this season for the Wildcats. Yeah. All right, fellas, that's buy or sell. Uh, let's take a look at the upcoming schedule. Um, we noted at the top of the show a couple of times now that uh, Wildcats will be on the road this week. So Thursday, February 10th, be taking the trip up to Cheney uh, at EWU 7 PM mountain standard time. So says the app. Um, and that'll be on ESPN plus a one three on one, the wave. We will also likely be on Twitter spaces. So, Come hang out with us there. It's a really good time. A lot of guys usually hop on for those road games and uh, we get talking about the game and it's fun. Then Saturday, February the 12th, uh, Wildcats will be taking the trip to that brand new facility that they've got there in Moscow at Idaho, 3 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, ESPN Plus or 103 on the wave. Also hop on to Twitter that day to chat with us. Uh, And then the following week, uh, back at home, Wildcats will be taking on Sac State, 7 p.m. ESPN Plus, 103 on the wave. And then... Saturday, February 19th, Colorado comes to town, uh, 6 p.m. on that. Uh, we know that there was a little bit of confusion with uh, somebody in the group this week. Uh, wasn't sure about the home uh, games on Saturday. They are all at 6 p.m. Uh, that game will be on ESPN Plus, 103 on the Wave, or go get your tickets. Uh, WeberStateSports.com. I mean, this is a fun it's a fun team, guys. I mean, it's, I mean, it's been a while since the Wildcats have been really, really quite as good as they've been right now. I mean, the, I mean, the Wildcats were good last year, but you, you know, it was tough to go see them because you missed half the year because of COVID. And so uh, this is a really good opportunity to go and see them play because they're fun. They're a lot of fun. Uh, let's wrap up the show, guys. Email us, weberstateweekly at gmail.com, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We've got a Patreon, patreon.com slash weberstateweekly. We want to thank our patrons. Um, I got a lot of stuff, work stuff I still got going on, but I have plans. If you are a patron, you will be privy to some interviews coming up with uh, some of the kids that signed for National Signing Day last week. We'll be doing some one-on-one interviews with some of them. And those interviews will go behind our paywall at patreon.com slash Weber State Weekly. So if you want to get access to those, become a patron and uh, support Weber State Weekly. And you'll get a chance to hear those interviews first. Uh, And then eventually they'll find their way to the blog, weberstateweekly.com. That's the place where it's at. Appreciate you guys for showing up tonight, talking a little bit of Wildcat sports. Uh, we'll wrap it up like we usually do. Weber State, Weber State. Great. 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 <laughs> Go Wildcats. Wildcats.